You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll unpack the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. I would love to welcome everyone to the Legally Blissed podcast, and I would love to welcome Ms. Geraldine Lawrence. Geraldine represents clients with matrimonial and family law needs, including divorce litigation, mediation and arbitration, custody and parenting time issues, alimony and child support, separation and property settlement agreements, adoption and guardianship advice, domestic partnership matters under the Domestic Partnership Act, domestic violence and sexual abuse, and palimony. She handles matters ranging from the simple and straightforward to the complex and complicated, having um, involved significant income and assets, including representations of celebrities, professional athletes, and high-profile individuals. She takes great pride and care in helping her clients through difficult personal matters. Welcome again, Gerilyn. Thank you so much for being here with me. Your bio is unbelievable. You're also the founder of your own law practice, um, Lawrence Law Divorce and Family Lawyers. It's clear to me that you really have a passion for what you do. And I would love to know what has inspired you or who has inspired you to keep pushing through all of these years. Well, thank you, Susie. Thank you for having me. I think uh, it's important for anybody in any job, uh, whatever it is that they're doing, to make sure that they're passionate about it. Uh, because you spend so much time at work. Um, and if you're not passionate about it, uh, it shows. You, know, you really cannot fake passion. So I am passionate about what I do. And I think where that really came from is my father is a retired juvenile detective. Um, so I grew up um, you know, with the police officer as a father, always talking the law with him um, as a child. I thought for sure I would be a prosecutor. That was what my goals were. So I interned at, the at a county prosecutor's office. I interned at the United States uh, attorney's office. So I thought that's what I would do. And then I end up uh, in the family law world. I also had watched a bed, uh, a movie, The Burning Bed with Farrah Fawcett. I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie, but Farrah Fawcett was uh, in a movie and she was uh, a victim of domestic violence and routinely, regularly beaten and tortured by her husband. And she ended up killing him, burning him as he slept. And when I saw that movie, I had no idea that domestic violence was such an issue in our country. And so I thought that that's really what I was gonna do. I was gonna prosecute um, perpetrators of domestic violence. And then in law school, I ended up in the family law clinic and now I'm a family lawyer. So I still am dealing with uh, domestic violence issues, but uh, also as they relate to divorces and 
uh, family law related issues. Um, how old were, were you when you first saw that movie? I want to say it was probably college years, yeah. um, but I knew I had wanted to be a lawyer since at least sixth grade. I remember oh, standing wow. outside. I remember being outside my middle school library and had just completed like a career questionnaire as to what I wanted to be. And I knew I wanted to be a lawyer and I have three kids. I tell them that they're already signed up for law school. I said, I've signed you up for basketball, football and law school. It's just a great degree to have. Um, so I hope that they all follow me in, in, in my footsteps. They don't have to do necessarily what I do. Uh, if they want to, that's great. But I think it's a great degree. So I've known for a long time. And again, I think it's because of always talking to my dad about his day and what his life looked like and analyzing, you know, everyday situations that he had to face. And I just, I loved the application of the law to it. Wow. You're, um, there's a lot of successes that you have in, in your bio. Um, you were named finalist as lawyer of the year in 2015, um, 2019 New Jersey Legal Trailblazer, 220 Mentor of the Year. Um, you've been one of the New Jersey Super Lawyers. I mean, I can go on and on. What are you most proud of um, in all of these accomplishments that you've had over your career and why? I think um, there's a couple. I think what really makes me proud is how my kids view me. Um, and when I opened up my own law firm, I had been in a larger firm for about over 20 years. And when we decided to open up uh, Lawrence Law, you know, they, they're they very proud. So that's very rewarding. I think the relationships that I've built um, with other lawyers, um, you know, that is, you know, my colleagues, some of them have turned into my best friends. So that's been wonderful. Um, from a case standpoint, there's nothing more fulfilling than having a client in on an initial consultation and they can barely get through it. They're weeping, just tears running down their face, tissues everywhere, and they're broken. And then by the end of the case, um, you know, they've, they're excited about their new journey. They're excited about that next path uh, that they're going to take. And so that is really rewarding, you know, to take this broken person um, and let them understand their power and the blessings that that marriage had and, you know, to embrace those so that you don't become angry and bitter. Um, but know that this person or this relationship happened for a reason, whatever that is, let's find that silver lining. And oftentimes it's the kids, you know, but for this relationship, you wouldn't have, you know, these precious kids that you have. So focus on that. Don't focus on, oh, I wish I never met that person because then you wouldn't have those great gifts. And I can see people that um, come out of the divorce process when they're angry and bitter, it just closes them off to being happy. But if I can help them shepherd them through to a different stage in their life, and that's what I ask them, right? In our initial consultation, where do you wanna be in a year? It's the most important thing, where do you wanna be? And let's strategize and try to help you get there. And if they can stay focused on that and not focused on the past, 
Um, so that's, that always gives me a great sense of pride um, each and every time. You know, and I still get holiday cards from clients 10 years later, 15 years later, hey, you know, this is what my life looks like. I mean, that brings me a lot of joy. I also love, I'm gonna be president of the New Jersey State Bar Association in a couple of weeks. I'm currently the president of the New Jersey chapter of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. And the greatest gift that those, organ that, that, that those organizations allow me to do is identify problematic areas in the practice of law and have the power to try to advocate for change. I don't like, I don't like when people just complain about things. Let's complain about things, but let's offer a solution. And in those leadership roles, you can try to effectuate change. And that's pretty exciting. So I know I've said a couple things, um, but that's really, I think, what would make me the most proud. Okay, that, um, that's amazing. And I'm super proud of you. And I just wanna say congratulations. Um, on, on your upcoming position. That's amazing. Um, one of the questions I have here that I, I did want to ask you is what is the problem you want to solve? Like you are now in that position, right? Or you, you are going to be moving into it and you've already had, um, leadership roles, but what is the problem that you want to solve? My, my main goal, my main theme for my presidency is going to be putting lawyers first. That's our goal. Okay. And I struggled with even that title because oftentimes you say putting lawyers first and people have a visceral reaction to that. You know, they, they think negatively of lawyers or they're like, you're always first. But the truth is we're not. We put our clients first. We put the courts first. We put our families first. We put our colleagues first. We put everybody but lawyers first. And my opening line or close to my opening line in my installation speech is going to quote Desmond Tutu. And what he said was, um, we need to stop going into the river to pull people out. We need to look upstream and find out why they're falling in. And I'd like to look upstream and find out why lawyers are falling in. Um, we have now so many wellness initiatives we have a lawyer assistance program for lawyers who are struggling with addiction issues and mental illness. And all of those are wonderful programs and we need them and we need more of them. But those treat the symptom of why people are falling in. I wanna know why they're falling in. I have some thoughts as to why they're falling in. I think um, you know, lawyers are governed by an ethics committee um, and the ethics committee was designed to protect the public I think there's been a shift in the approach of our ethics committees to not just only protecting the public, but also to punish the lawyer, which I think is far afield. There are cases that now say lawyers have to stay into a case and handle cases for free, even if they're being um, abused by a client or not, the client is not taking their advice. Um, so that's pretty stressful from an attorney's point of view. One of our largest sources of referrals is online. Um, and so, and you will have clients will leave a negative review about some of my colleagues and you can't do anything about it. You're pretty much handcuffed as to what you can re respond. I don't think that's fair. And I think, you know, that adds to the stress. So I really want to look at 
what is harming lawyers? What is causing them so much stress and how can we fix it? I love that. That this is just right at my out my alley because this is something that is really, really near and dear to my heart. Is um, the really just the mental health issues of lawyers in general, but especially women. Um, I think that we do take on a lot. Um, we're the ones that have the children clean, and you know they've had their dinner, and we sacrifice ballet recitals. Um, you know for our career. And I don't see men doing that as much now. I mean, with that said, um, you know, it's men definitely struggle with mental health issues, um, as well. So I don't want to, you know, detract from that at all, but I think you make a really great point at like, how can we identify the source of this problem or the sources of this problem. As a young lawyer, I was constantly afraid of malpractice, you know, screwing something up like that, you know, it was grounded into me, like the repercussions of making a mistake. Right. So unfortunately I had, I had, I had, you know, a few great mentors. I had a couple attorneys I worked for that weren't so great. And I wouldn't necessarily consider them mentors. Um, so I think a lot of this too is what are we and how are we grooming? Is that the proper, <laughs> is that the proper word? Men- how are mentoring. We mentoring, you know, the young lawyers that are coming um, up in their own practices. Well, I mean, it, it, that's true. And what, what, we say in my office is, um, you're going to make a mistake. We are making so, there's oftentimes I say we should change how we bill. We should not bill by the hour. We should bill by decision. (laughs) We are making so many important decisions. And sometimes with not as much information as we would want, but we're relying on what our client is telling us. I feel like I make a mistake a day. I'm sure that I do. And I'm learning and growing every day. And what I try to say to everybody on my team is, let's talk about it. If you feel like you made a mistake, we can fix it. It's when you feel like you made a mistake and you can't talk about it or own up to it. That's where it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And that's where you can find a problem. But I don't think anyone's intentionally make a, making a mistake. You're doing the best that you can with the information that you have. And if it ends up that it didn't go the way that you planned, well, let's let's tackle it and let's let's address it. Let's fix where where it went south. So I think always trying to stress open lines of communication is is key. And I think you do need that mentorship. You know, you do need somebody that you can be your authentic self and say, look, I have. I was just asked this question. I have no idea. I don't know where to start. What would you do? Um, and without being judged, without being feel like you're going to, you know, be labeled something. And I, but I think women do that. I think women are such really good collaborators. I think we're so much more mindful of reaching back and pulling up. Um, and I, I mean, I hope so. I hope 
that we're doing a better job at that. I think we talk a lot about doing that. So I think it's on top of mind for, for women to do that. I also think this younger generation, I'm gonna sound old, is different. I don't think they tolerate what we have to tolerate. I really don't. I mean, I hear, I didn't have to live this, but I hear stories of people before me, women were not allowed to wear pants to court. Right. That's all I wear are pants. No one else, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, so I don't, you know, they weren't, to me, it's a silly example, but I don't miss anything for my kids. And I've been told stories of women had to miss things for their kids. I don't think your generation is going to miss anything. I think they're just to be like, I'm going, I'm going to see my kids or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you, and unapologetically. And I think that that's a wonderful shift. And I think the pandemic has the silver lining also in this pandemic and remote work has been such a blessing just to be able to be the on zoom with you to do this. Amen. Right. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. I didn't have to leave my office. You're not leaving, you know, you're not leaving your space and you know, you could be home and do this. You can have your kids working nearby if need be. It's just changed the practice for the better. I know it's reduced my stress. I was, I'm, I've been home more now in the past two years than I've ever been. Uh, you know, so it's my work-life balance has markedly improved with the advent of Microsoft Teams and Zoom and that becoming commonplace. I don't know if you're seeing that in your life, but I'm absolutely seeing that. Do you feel like the pandemic gave you <laughs> an opportunity to sort of reflect on your practice and where you wanted your team and your business to, to go going forward? It, it definitely did. I mean, particularly in those early days, those terrifying days uh, where you had no idea what was going to happen and you worried about going out of business, you know, and what's going to happen with clients. You know, I, I think it made you, you know, refocus on what was important. Um, it also taught us a different way of, of how to practice. You know, one of my colleagues lives down in South Jersey. She's been to the office. I can't, it's not even three times since the pandemic. And she's doing a great job working from home. She's much more efficient. She's less stressed because she's, she's lost that entire commute and she's just as productive. Um, so I think it did. I think it gave everybody that opportunity to take a look and, and do some soul searching as to what's important um, and, and, and opened up our eyes to a different way to practice. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess every now and then, you know, we do have to look at the silver lining to things like this. <laughs> yeah. You know, you I have to. So. And I think you have to ask yourself, what is worth going back to? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is worth it? Um, you know, what's worth getting in the car and driving an hour and a half to sit in a meeting that could have been an email to drive an hour and a half back. Right. And so I think people are going to continue to do that. You know, the, the stressful thing, I think, for lawyers when they're weighing getting back into court, I mean, I'm, you know, it's going to be dreadful because you sit in court all day, your emails are just stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. So now you're in court all day. You come home at five o'clock. You have a whole nother day ahead of you of managing emails, right? Versus Zoom or 
telephone or whatever you're doing through your office, you know, when I'm done having the pleasure of talking to you, I'm going to be able to go check a couple emails, you know, stay on top of my day. So by the time my day ends, my day ends. No, I'm still going to pack work up from home, whether it's writing a blog or whatever I need to do and work from home, but I'm working from home and my work day is essentially done. Very different when, when we go back into the courtroom and you're sitting next to a client eight hours a day waiting for the judge to take your case. I don't look forward to that. And so, and I think our courts are receptive to staying as much on the virtual platforms as possible. I think trials will go back, but so I think, I think, I think this pandemic brought about real significant impactful change. Yeah, and in some really good ways. Yeah. When when you become president of the the bar association um, in New Jersey, will you be able to have a voice in how courts are managed there at all in terms of like being able to do more remote um, type work? I think so and I think we've already had our voice um, the court has been wonderful. They've been um, having multiple what they call listening sessions, mm -hmm. um, and they will listen to many, many lawyers talk about the pluses and minuses of remote, pluses and minuses of going back to court. Um, when the pandemic first hit, the state bar started a pandemic task force, a practice of law task force, wow. um, and we met with multiple sections put together reports to send to the court as to that very issue. Um, and since we've issued that report, uh, the court has had, like I said, those uh, various listening sessions. So absolutely, um, it's, it is, is most definitely a collaborative effort. Um, and the court does listen to the Bar Association, listens to individual attorneys and wants that feedback. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's amazing. So it is impor it's important to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And that's what you hope for. Yeah. It's important to have a seat at the table. And when you do, it's important to express your concern and your, you know, you voice your concern or, you know, you have to speak up if you want any type of change. So I, and from the client perspective, and this is what we've kind of hit home with the, with the court as well. I've done so many consultations on somebody's lunch hour, um, you know, where they didn't have to lose a day of work. In the, in the old days, pre-pandemic, people were taking off at least a half a day of work, drive here, sit with me for an hour, drive back. They don't have to do that. They're not hiring babysitters anymore to be able to meet with, with lawyers. And I think the court has said, you know, um, appearances in court are up because it's so much easier for them to to dial on up on Zoom. I'm telling you from the Bar Association perspective, participations in our sections and committees, attendance at things is up. Do I think people are still yearning for certain in-person events? They are. So I think we need to find that balance, we do. There is nothing like an in-person event um, to help you build relationships. That's what this practice is about. You have to build relationships and you do need in-person opportunities to do that. But I think we're seeing that that needs to be more built around an event. Um, you know, some kind of, whether it's the media, a meeting where you're going to a local 
location, like we're going to Key West in November for our mid-year meeting. We're going to Atlantic City next month for the installation. We're going to the Borgata. I think a lot of people are going to show up for those things. But do they need to drive to somewhere to have a meeting where you can just pop on Zoom? I don't think so. So it's finding that balance. It's finding that equilibrium. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash bliss for an exclusive introduction. Yeah, it's definitely finding the balance. I definitely have noticed, I'm a pretty introverted person, but I have noticed that I am craving some... <laughs> a little bit more like in-person networking, right? Like I think that being in the same room with people and having some type of like commonality for being in that room is, is important. But when you're talking about just like, there would, there's no reason that you and I should have to like travel and be in the same room together to do something like this, to just have this conversation. So thank God for the beauty of technology, right? I mean, I guess it could kind of be a love-hate relationship, but <laughs> here we are, so. It's true, but with everything, it's an, it's an opportunity to learn and grow. We'll find the balance. You know, if, me, if meetings and, and things like that, more routine, stay on Zoom, great. But networking, I mean, if you're even at a meeting, it's very limited opportunity to network because you're sitting in a meeting listening to people, right? But if you can go somewhere for two hours, grab a drink, and talk and meet people, I think people are absolutely craving to do that. Right. So I'm curious, I'm going to, I want to go back just a little bit, just a couple of years. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you were a, a young lawyer, fresh out of law school, did you work for a law firm? Did you have, and did you have a mentor who, that you attribute some of your success to? So, um, I graduated law school, I did a clerkship, and then I went to a large firm in Somerset County, the largest firm in my home county. And I was there for 20 something years. And I went to work for one woman um, who's wonderful. But as soon as I got, well, not as soon, I was there a handful of months and she decided uh, her boyfriend moved to Chicago. So she followed him to Chicago. So I was, pretty much left on my own. I remember crying. I'm like, what am I going to be, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. So I did have her from afar and certainly for a, a short period of time before she moved. Um, so I can't say that. So yes, yeah, so I, so I had her as a mentor and then I met other colleagues along the way that were wonderful mentors. Um, so I, you know, I, I was more being mentored by 
my adversaries or my colleagues opposite me in a case. Um, so I was learning and growing, you know, making mistakes and, and figuring things out. And, but, you know, I, I read a lot. I read everything. I read every, you know, every case that came down, I read, because um, I really thought that's how you become a, a great lawyer is what niche do you want to do and then be the best at it. Um, so I wanted to, to do that. I wanted to teach about it. I wanted to speak about it. And that's why I say to, you know, some of, some of my team now, like they have the beauty of, they can see how I practice and they may like a couple of things that I do. They may say, oh, I want to do that. Or they may say, I don't like how she does that and don't do that. But then they have the opportunity. We have eight lawyers here now to look at someone else, how they do it and take the good and bad and mold it into what makes you comfortable. So, so I had a little bit of a, of a different journey. I also had um, at my old firm, um, you know, one of the named partners was a, an extremely uh, gifted and top matrimonial attorney. So I always had him also to bounce ideas off of, but I was always a little, he was much older than me and I was always very intimidated by just how smart he was. So it wasn't until I was more comfortable in my own skin to have him mentor me just because I was always a little intimidated <laughs> to ask him things. So that's, um, I think that's, you're like a really great example just of someone who can just admit that like I was a young lawyer and I was intimidated by this partner, right? Like, and, but here you are, like you're, you're, you've really like grown into yourself. I, you know, like as a, as an individual and as a professional and you, you've started your own practice and you're, you're so successful. What was the impetus that for you to start your current law firm? So I was on the, uh, I was the head of my department, head of the family law department there. And I was on the management committee and on the compensation committee. And I was the top biller in the firm and brought in the most money. You saw but that money going through. I saw you're all like that. And, you know, I still, yeah, I still did not feel taken seriously when I made suggestions. I still, I still felt overlooked. And there was a, one particular management committee meeting that I really felt uh, overlooked. And I just, I had it. I, I, I literally put my pen down and I said, there's just got to be a better way. And I had always thought of going on my own. It was always a dream of mine. Um, and I, I actually looked probably 15 years earlier and I got, I was starting to do the to-do sheet of the to-do list of what you had to do. And I got to down to the postage machine that I needed to buy my own postage machine. And that totally overwhelmed me. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Be <laughs> this has gone too far. Because <laughs> guys just folded up the list. I said, you know what? I I have a mail room here. I don't need to worry about. I just said I can't. I can't deal with that. But then it got to the point where I just needed to deal with that. And I talked to my team here, and I said, this is really what I want to do. And they said, we're in. And every single member of my team came with me. That's amazing. Um, it was, and you know, we're just it's different now. You know, if I haven't, if I want to do a commercial on TV, I do a commercial. You don't have to go do through five layers of partners no. to get something I, done. I don't have to go through yeah. anyway. I can lay in bed at night and say, Hey, you know, I, 
I want to, I think I want a jingle. Okay. Let's, I don't have to a jingle. It could be the dumbest idea and maybe it doesn't work, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's my idea. And if it works great. And if it doesn't work, okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. You tried and, it. Yeah. And you just have the flexibility. You know, nothing is done. There's no decision by committee. Mm. And sometimes that's a little daunting. Sometimes I prefer that, but I don't have that. So that was really the impetus of it was feeling overlooked, wanting to make sure that me and the team's financial security was protected and secure. And now we're, you know, we're a boutique, we're a much smaller firm, but this is all that we do. This is all that we specialize in and everybody's rowing the boat the same way, which is good. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, okay. In addition, you, I know that you have a lot on your plate already. Um, and you know, you had this amazing position coming up. I'm curious, like what is next for you in terms of like the vision for your law firm? Vision for my law firm is really to just continue what we're doing. Just try to be the best at what we can, uh, you know, make sure everybody is happy professionally and personally. Um, I don't envision getting much bigger. Uh, we did just buy a building. Uh, so we are starting renovating a building. We're going to have our own building in, in Wachong, two doors down from where. So that's exciting. Uh, you know, being a tenant is not very fun. Uh, you know, so that, that'll be an exciting part of the journey. But um, surrounded by really great people, I don't envision us getting much bigger than we are. Just try to make sure everybody's happy and healthy and enjoying what they do. Once I'm done with my bar presidency, um, I'll probably just take a break for a day or two. A day or two. I, a day or two. <laughs> um, and then I've actually been toying with the idea of um, getting involved in politics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so excited yeah. to follow your journey. So I really thank am. you. So we'll see. I don't know. It's either going to be more, you know, focus on retire and get to the beach earlier. Sure. Sure. Or you know, try to effectuate change, uh, you know, and, and I just think we need more women in leadership and in, yeah. in, in government. And uh, particularly, I, I'm very moved by what's going on in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. I just, um, it's just depressing every day. And I just feel like if there were more women, I mean, I, I think Ukraine is wonderful. I, I just, and I admire that leadership. And he's been mm -hmm. doing a great job. I just, wonder if there are more women leaders in the world country and state what would, would, what would it be like yeah yeah i saw a picture i guess it was yesterday of the i want to say it was the finnish and swedish maybe prime ministers presidents were with him we're with Zelensky. yeah um which i thought was really like kind of interesting but you know i just i feel like women in these leadership roles like we have to, we have to get there. Like we have to get there. Women just, I feel like we take a, a very empathetic approach to, to how we deal with really complex situations. Like you were like, when you were talking earlier in our conversation about like sitting down with your client and like asking them what they wanted a year from now, like I could tell at that time, like you are genuinely empathetic with your clients, right? It's not just about strategy and winning in court and 
um, one-upping uh, opposing counsel and the gamesmanship. It's really just digging into, you know, how, what can we do to make this person's life better in a year? And I mean, I really felt that from you. I felt that energy from you. Well, thank you. I mean, that's to me what matters. And that's why I say to my clients, there's really no winners or losers in what I do. And I tell them that I say in the initial consult, I said, I'm not a criminal lawyer where there's a winner or loser. You're either going to jail or you're not. I'm not a civil lawyer where you're either winning money or you're not. I'm a family lawyer and we're going to win issues and we're going to lose issues all at the same time because it's a compromise and you need to give up things to get things. And we can't think about it as winning or losing because that'll drive you crazy. Like I have people come, in the, you know, like I'm hiring you because I hear you win everything. You know, you're a barracuda, you're a shark. I said, well, I could be, I could be on certain issues. That's not ever where I want to start. Um, you know, my goal is to try to help you find peace and a compromise that you can live with. And I think you know, as long as you're manage, managing their expectations and letting them know that, um, they appreciate that. Mm -hmm. They have to feel a sense of comfort sitting down with you though. You hope so. You know, I try, I've been divorced. So yeah. I know what that terror is like. Right, I was divorced right. when my daughter was eight weeks old. Mm. Um, so I remember sitting on my bed crying so much, my nose would bleed and being totally terrified whether I, my daughter was eight weeks, as I said, what was going to happen with her was, was I going to have to turn her over for parenting time? So I know, I know what that feels like. I know what heartbreak feels like. I know that that's a real thing that I was in pain. Physically. Physical, physical pain. Physical. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it took me a good year for my head to get out of the fog. Mm -hmm. um, but I also realized in hindsight that as I was hurting, I was healing too. And one day I would take two steps forward. Then the next day I'd take three steps back, but then the next day I would take 10 steps forward. And then the next day, eight steps back. So I was starting to get ahead of the curve eventually and to let them know that the same is true for them. I'm curious if you could look back at you on like, right when you got out of law school, what piece of advice would you give like 25 year old Gerilyn, I'm throwing out, I'm, I'm assuming you graduated at 25. It could have been 30. I'm not sure. When you, when you graduated from law school, what little piece of advice could, would you love to give her? Enjoy the suits that you're wearing now. Cause they're not going to fit <laughs> 25 years from now. And when you, thought, now. when you thought you were fat then, um, <laughs> you know, so I would say, you know, you looked really good back then. So, right. uh, Rock you know, it. Yep. Um, I think my, my advice, um, that, that would, that would be part of it. It would be just, just be yourself, you know, still every day today, you know, it's funny you use the word, I'm still intimidated today by people, you know, I, you still have some sense of intimidation and insecurity and every day going through, could I, every motion I argue, can I have said this better? Should I have done that better? And I'm going to do that to the day I die. And I've just accepted that. And I, and I think if I don't get that nervous stomach before emotion that I'm complacent, 
And I don't think that's a good thing. So I've learned to channel that as adrenaline as getting me prepared. And I think what I would tell myself way back then is just go for it. You know, don't let anything hold you back. Even those voices in your head that um, makes you feel insecure or doubt yourself um, or feel like you're not the smartest person in the room. And I know I'm not very many times, but I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best and to just, you know, just go for it. Whatever I feel like doing, just, just do it without reservation. And guys do it. They don't care. They don't care. They just seize the day, whether they're qualified or not. You know, when we sit here and we second guess ourselves every way up and down. Mm-hmm. But we should at the table, wear the damn suit. <laughs> wear the damn suit. And I think, you know, we can have it all. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not one of those believers that think we can't have it all. I I I disagree when I hear women say that. Mm. Um, can we have it all at the same time? Maybe not. Um do we have to surround ourselves with a really great village to be able to have it all? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you need to make sure there's no weak links in your village? Absolutely. Um, but you can have it all. So what is it that you want and go for it? Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, a final it. question is, do people call you J-Law? They do. They do. <laughs> they absolutely do. They call me J-Law. Sometimes people will call me Jennifer Lawrence. I said, look, if you're going to call me Jennifer Lawrence, one, I got to look like her and two, I got to make the money she makes, but, but no, they do call me J-Law. Actually the current president uh, of the bar association now call me J-Law. It's funny. This has been a lot of fun and um, best of luck on your upcoming appointment and potential political endeavors. Like, thank you for hanging out with me, J-Law. Thanks. Thanks, Susie. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.